Hello, welcome back to the Irish Tennis Updates podcast. Thanks very much for tuning in to episode 19. My name is Adam and I'm your host. Today I'm speaking to James Klusky. James reached a career-high doubles ranking of 145 and won 16 pro doubles events, including two challengers. Since retiring in 2015, he has broken the world record for the longest doubles match at over 60 hours and has founded his own high-performance company. He also has a book coming out in the next couple of weeks. We talk about James's junior days, his time in US college, him highlights from his uh, playing time on tour, what it's like coaching Richard Branson tennis, his thoughts on Irish tennis and much more. I think this is a really good episode. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Uh, so James, first of all, just, uh, thanks very much for, for, for talking to me today, for coming on the show. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me. Delighted to, to join you. I'm looking forward to it. Now, the, now the first thing I often ask people is um, what, what superpower they would, they would choose. But I was, I was doing a bit of research um, for this episode. I was looking online and I saw um, kind of a, a profile of you and it, and it said that your superpower was telling dad jokes. What? Where did you see that? Um, it was Mason Alexander. I think it was. It was on. You'd said that some. Oh, some. Geez, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot. But did you want to start with the dad joke? A dad joke. Jesus, I I. Uh, uh, what you call an Irish woman with one leg? I don't know. Eileen. You're definitely. You're, I tell you, you're definitely gonna have people who are switching off now. Like. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I promise we'll, we'll get back into tennis now. I promise. Um, yeah. But no. Um. So just yeah, just just how has kind of the lockdown been? The last couple of months been for you? Um. During the lockdown. Yeah, like it's been it's been tough. Like it's uh, um. I mean, it's been challenging for everyone. You know, it's it's. I suppose everything is kind of changed really and and it's been tough in terms of you know playing tennis i'm sort of playing a little bit more tennis now the last few weeks although it's hard to get courts and fits i i i also heard you had jane fenley on she books all the courts so uh, (laughs) (laughs) now i hit with her a good bit as well but um uh so yeah it's been challenging then you know it's uh hopefully things hopefully we're getting to this new normal now and i mean it's going to take time uh but trying to be positive and, and keep going and uh um yeah like it hasn't been easy but hopefully we're we're getting there now with things yeah so in terms of work have you been been working from home and keeping busy that way yeah i've been working from home like work for me uh, has been affected there's no i was doing a lot of uh, a lot of speaking in organizations which is obviously gone at the moment right, so yeah um i've been doing a good few webinars and i've been doing a lot of one-to-one stuff so uh yeah i'm ticking along like and then i've I've been writing a book as well, so that's been I kind of threw myself into that the last that last few months, and so. Um, so that's that's coming out soon, um, first week of July. So I'm excited about that, and that was I suppose that was a real focal point for me that when this happened that I could really focus on that as well. So yeah, I've been busy. Um, I've been busy, but it's definitely you know I do miss the kind of. Um, I miss the human interaction of actually going to meet people. Now yeah. it's obviously Zoom and stuff is great. Don't get me wrong, and that's that's um, that's helpful and everything. But I do miss meeting people as well. Yeah. And um, you mentioned your book there. What, what, what's it called? If anyone wants to go, wants to go look for it. So it's called Advantage. Um, it's on my. It'll be on my website and then it'll be on Amazon. So it's uh, my website's www.hccollective.co. 
um, and there's a tab there for advantage. Uh, so yeah, it's around goal setting. Um, I suppose the tagline is achieving your goals uh, or lessons from lessons uh, in achieving your goals. Um, the lessons that I've learned from sport and business. So it's I think a tennis player will find it interesting to read as well, no matter what age. Um, it's really it's not an autobiography. It's more lessons from that I learned in my own career that I yeah. take forward into the rest of my life, and then also from the business people I've met and the interesting people I've met along the way as well. Yeah, very good. Um, yeah, so you mentioned there you're, you're hitting a bit now in, in fits. So how, how big a, a role does tennis still play in your life these days? Yeah, I love to, I mean, yeah, like it's, it's um, you know, I want to play more actually now. Um, tennis is, I mean, it's been my life, you know. And uh, I think when I retired, when I, when I stopped playing professionally, I definitely went through a phase where I was a little bit burnt out from playing. But now, um, and I heard a little bit of Jane's uh, interview as well with you. Like for me, I think it's, for me, it's more mental health than anything. Like it's like putting on mm. a pair of shoes or putting on an old pair of shoes or something. It's like comfortable, you know? So yeah. I'd go and maybe hit with Jane or hit with someone for an hour. And I literally think about my day. I think about what's going on in my life. It's like my, it's almost like my happy place, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's what it is for me. Uh you know, obviously, I like I still like to compete and play and stuff. Um, and you know, I was I'm on the committee for the IC club, the international club. And you know, we obviously play a couple of fixtures for them. I play a couple of fixtures for Fitz. Um, it's definitely not as you know, I don't take it as serious in my mm. life as I did, obviously. But um, I still love to play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so if we just go back maybe a bit in, in your kind of tennis journey, so t- to go back to the very start, wh- wh- where did you get into tennis initially? How, how did that happen? Yeah, so I, I grew up in Swords um, and my uh, my mom actually, she played a little bit in school. So she had an interest in tennis. Um, so I would have been playing a little bit of tennis with her, a very, very small amount. Um, and then I have an older brother and sister and they were both in the parks tennis program. Yeah. So my first memory of tennis has really been introduced to the parks, actually. Um, so when people ask me, I say, you know, I started in the parks, which I did. Um, I remember kind of summers playing there and then I'd play with my mom during the week. And then it kind of went from there. It was in Sword Tennis Club, the six tarmac, there was six tarmac courts. They've since turned into Savannah. Um, but uh, I, you know, joined a the squad there and then kind of, you know, then you start playing the tournaments, the 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 yeah. junior tournaments, the under tens and twelves, and all that stuff, and um, kind of got better, obviously, and and uh, kind of went from there. Then you get Leinster squads, and uh, you know, you, yeah. you just keep going, like so. That that's really, uh, that's that was my beginnings, anyway. Yeah, was there someone you looked up to when you were younger in tennis or in any in anything? So my brother was my brother was playing. So I used to play a lot with him actually, and he was he was better than me. Uh, he's two years older, so he was better than me. Um, and so I think I mean I've seen kind of stats around. Well, I don't know if I've seen stats, but I've heard anecdotes used around kind of youngest child is sometimes they're better because they're they're always you know they're always trying to yeah. compete with their older sibling. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we used to play and we used to like fight and you know argue and all that sort of stuff but I, I suppose I would have been trying to beat him um, and then I just always wanted to be you know I always wanted to kind of move up the rankings in Ireland I always wanted to be the best or be you know yeah. I don't know what I wanted to be but I, I suppose I was always kind of 
goal oriented or driven to kind of move my ranking up, whether it be in Ireland, then obviously you start going internationally as well. Yeah, no, you mentioned your, your brother there, and now he's someone that has kind of inspired you, you know, for mm. throughout your life as well. So just would you mind telling me a little bit about, about his story? Yeah, so, um, yeah, so he, he was, yeah, he was a good tennis player. Uh, he, and he also played, and then we went to Belvedere, he was two years older. He played rugby there a little bit, and um, he was quite sporty, like. And then when, when he was 17, I was 15, he had a, a spinal injury accident. And so he was paralyzed from the neck down, which, I mean, is a traumatic experience for, for anyone and was obviously an incredibly challenging time for our family. And, um, but I think, you know, so he's inspiring to me now. He's, you know, he, he has his own company um, and he's done a TED Talk and he's, you know, he's doing really well. But I think it had a huge, it did have a huge impact on my life and it had a huge impact on a huge impact on my tennis you know I went from being probably you know I was the youngest spoiled um kind of tennis was I don't know if I was the focal point of the family but like uh you know when he had his accident you know my parents were obviously in the rehab hospital for, for over a year like and I was I, I think tennis was my escape almost you know it mm. was like my again back to the mental health thing I think I threw myself into into playing and into um competing and I just spent all my time at a tennis club because that's that was kind of my happy place and I guess it was a coping mechanism as well you know so and then I was lucky you know in terms of the tennis community like um my coach Larry Jervich who was running the squad in Westwood like he was very good to good to me you know he would he would um drop me home and you know because obviously my parents just weren't 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 there really and then uh, Ray McLaughlin, so uh, Darren McLaughlin, who was in my age group mm. growing up, who was a friend of mine. Um, Ray, his dad, used to drop me home as well. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people kind of rally around you as well. But I think in terms of his accident, it definitely had a huge impact on, on, on my tennis. And then it also had a huge impact on, I guess, my philosophy for life and how life is short. You never know what's going to happen tomorrow. You have to enjoy life. You have to... You know, you just don't know what's around the corner. So it definitely shaped a lot of who I am. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's, it's, it's a good story. It's a great story. Um, but how, how would you then sum up your, your junior days playing? Do you some, open, make some, some overriding memories from, from that? Uh, junior days, um, override memories would be uh, fits under 18. So mm. I, I won fits under 18, which was a big thing at the time. Um, it's funny, like when in hindsight, like it's you know, it's just, I know it means a lot to a lot of people, but like, and it does mean a lot to me. But at the time, it's like, geez, it's like everything, you know. Yeah. But um, uh, I beat James McGee in the final, who was a rival and a friend, and uh, I think seven five in the third. I was down a set in three one, right. so that's kind of a good memory. I yeah. lost to him two weeks previously in the semifinals of the Lansdowne Money Tournament um seven six in the third so we, we were like obviously very close you know yeah and uh so that's a big memory i mean i think i went through a phase where you know under 10 under 10 i was you know number probably number two under 12 i was always in the top four then under 14 i started to i think as i started to grow a lot i started getting more injuries and you know i was what well, wasn't i think my ranking was starting to drop a little bit and then I think the biggest thing that happened was Westwood Clontarf opening um, 
Larry obviously taking out Larry Jervich coming and coaching there. You know, kind of the stars aligned with all that stuff, really. Yeah. So, um, and then obviously with Stephen's accident, then I was, you know, I was training my training my ass off as well. So, yeah, um, yeah, I guess, yeah, the, the, those are kind of my memories. But I loved it. Like, I mean, I loved uh, best days. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, I know. Then you went off to to college in in Louisiana in in the states after after school. Um, mm. So, how did you make that decision to to go? How easy was that decision for you? Yeah, like it was pretty easy to be honest. I mean, I, I, like I think, you know, I think um, a lot of players go to college in the states, and I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty vocal on that. That I think, I mean, I think going to college is the best option for 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 players. Mm. Um, so my intention was always to go to college. It was never, I never had, you know, I never thought of playing, of not going to college in the states. Yeah. You know, I know people can say you've better options or you've other options these days in terms of. You know, well, I suppose now with the pandemic, but online courses and all that stuff. But um, for me, college tennis was phenomenal. Like, so I took a few. I went to Indiana on a recruiting trip, and I went to Pepperdine, and then I went to LSU, Louisiana. And um, look, I spent four years there in you know forty degree heat and training really hard, and absolutely loved it. You know, I was at a, a top ten college. Um, I also think when people are kind of in this decision of whether to go to college or go pro, uh, like, you know, in college, I, I mean, I played Isner a couple of times. I played Kevin Anderson, played Jesse Levine, played all these guys. Uh, and look, John Isner was four years at Georgia and he's had a pretty decent tennis yeah. career. Right. So, you know, I think I, I like futures is hard and challengers is hard. Like it's a, it's a long road. And, um, I think it was a friend of mine said, you know, most people have probably a four or five win, four or five year window, give or take, to play professionally. Are you better to do that at eighteen? Or are you better to do that when you're twenty two? Like, mm -hmm. so for me, it's a no brainer. Like, you know, actually, and, and sorry, I don't mean to keep rambling, but like, I would have, I would have, um, tennis Sangren would have been a would have been a you know a friend of mine on the tour on the Challenger tour. Mm. Yeah, he played at Tennessee as well. Like he's, I mean, he's had a decent career. He's having a decent career. So, Absolutely. you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good route for Irish players. Um, and in my opinion, it's the best route. Yeah, I mean, you, you do see a lot of people going off that that way at the moment. But I, I know that you you had a really successful um, time there. You got up to to three, and in the country and in doubles. Um, yeah. So, what, what are your best memories from from college? Best, I mean, the team stuff is amazing, right? Like, you know, it's, you know, you're, you're, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's pressure. Like, my best memories are, I suppose, playing under that intense pressure where you're playing for a team. Um, and essentially, I mean, there was 12 or 14 guys in the team. You're with, you're with 12, you know, you've got 12 mates who you do everything yeah. with. So, um, my best memories of is playing dual matches for LSU against, Georgia against the likes of Isner or we played when we played Illinois we actually beat Illinois we yeah, myself and Ken Skupski who's still doing well in doubles now we lost in the doubles to Kevin Anderson and Ryan Rowe we got fairly beaten fairly uh, comfortably and then we won the match overall 4-3 and I actually clinched the match so um, stuff like that I mean you don't forget that easily you know and you, yeah. you, you know even like you know I, you know, I don't remember winning a lot of few. You know, I I was lucky enough to win some futures, but 
I don't really remember winning those futures as much as I remember winning college matches or yeah. even losing college matches when the team wins. You know? Yeah. Uh, that's interesting that you know that, that those the the team environments are something that you you really took to and you really enjoyed when you were there. Yeah, absolutely loved it. I mean, and and look for me, like you know, one of the big things is you know getting around good people and surrounding yourself with good people. And I think I was very lucky that you know in the junior days, um, you know, we had Larry was a good coach, and then James McGee was doing well. And he kind of pushed me along because I wanted to be as good as him. So, you know, and then Darren McLaughlin was very good. Darren Rowan, all these guys. It was a great kind of culture of, uh, I suppose, a culture of performance where everyone was pushing each other along. Um, yeah. And you kind of, you know, you have rivalry. You're, I mean, at LSU, I'm competing for my spot on the team, right? But it's a healthy rivalry. Um, and at LSU now, when I look, you know, you know, I did okay playing professionally, but Mike Venus won the French Open, who was one of my doubles partners. Ken Skupski's won ATP events, and he's 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 um he's won Commonwealth medals and done really well. Neil Skupski's doing really well. He's playing with Jamie Murray now. So, um, yeah, I was very lucky that I that I uh, you know I lived with all those guys and 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 played with them as well. So. Yeah, do you think there's any any lessons you learned while in college that have really stood to you and served you well since then? It's funny, actually. I was having this conversation with someone last week. We were talking about what sport teaches you. And for yeah. me, one of the big things is time and time management. Okay. So, you know, I, I would always have been pretty good on time, to be fair, like, but uh, to my detriment sometimes. Um, but... Uh, when I was at LSU, if you were late for anything, so if, if you were late, the whole team basically ran, you know, so yeah, yeah. Um, so you just weren't late because it was impossible to be late. <laughs> so like that's, that's completely stayed with me. Like, you know, we're having this call now, you know, I will not be late for a call. I will not <laughs> be late for anything. You know, obviously stuff happens and from time to time, you know, stuff gets in the way and that's, you know, that, 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 that's fine. But like, 99% of the time, like, yeah. I will honor a commitment. If I say I'm going to be on time, I'll be on time. So, and I think that that really stems from college. Um, and then the, the other thing is, I suppose, the work ethic you learn um, and being able to kind of balance everything because obviously you're going to class as well, right? And, and you have these, you know, long practices. And, and uh, so I suppose the, the, the work ethic uh, that I would have, that I would have picked up um, and I think it really helped me on the pro tour I think one thing that helped me on the pro tour was actually training somewhere for years that is a really hot place you know because right. then when I started going on the tour and I went to hot countries it didn't really affect me as much yeah no I just want to, to come on then to to kind of your your, your time uh, playing pro so did did, did you go uh, to pro straight away after college was that was it pretty much yeah so basically yeah, I mean I, I so I um yeah, like I used to play the summers actually. Right. When I was in college, I played the summers, and I was like, I got ATP points when I was in college. Um, I actually, so one some, so I played Davis Cup when after my freshman year it was my first cap in Davis Cup. Right. I played doubles against Slovenia, but then I think I had one point. Then maybe I had one point. Yeah, from the futures, and then my my sophomore year, so my second year. It was in my junior year. I can't remember which one. I played the three. I think there was two. Was there three futures now? Two futures and a challenger, maybe. 
and I had like a quarters, quarter, I made two quarterfinals. And then I went to Armenia and Georgia for some futures. I went with Peter Clark actually and, and James McGee. And I made the semifinals in Armenia and then I made the quarters and this is in singles now. Yeah. I made the quarters in Georgia and then the quarters the second week in Georgia, but I actually broke my wrist in the second round match. Oh. So I, I fell. Um, it was actually quite a funny story. It was, um, it was six, it was a tie break second set. I played this Russian guy and it was tie break second set. And it was, it was, four all in the tie break in the second set i'd won the first set mm. and the guy pulled me wide and came to the net and i ran to hit a running forehand and i hit a running forehand pass and then i fell and i broke my wrist but i didn't know it was broken so it was yeah. just kind of like you know it, it was incredibly painful but i thought it was just sprained so i was up five four in the i was up five four serving right <laughs> and i remember thinking like, how am I going to, you know, obviously your adrenaline is, is pumping. So, so I served at 5-4, hit the serve, and the guy missed the return, right? So I hit the serve at like 70 miles an hour, and the guy missed the return. And then it was, so then that was 6-4, and then I, I hit a serve. He played the ball back, and I hit a forehand like as kind of as hard as I could, or I kind of pushed it into a corner and came to the net, yeah. and he missed the pass. And I won the I won the match. And then that night, like I couldn't even I couldn't hold a knife. I couldn't I couldn't eat dinner. I couldn't hold anything. Um, and then I uh, I just pulled out the next yeah. day. And then I came back, and my wrist was broken. I was out for like four or five months. And I actually probably never played singles as as well again after that, to be honest. Right. And so uh, yeah, but it's sorry. And the question then was the 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 pro the pro stuff. So yeah, when I finished playing. When I finished playing in college, I kind of knew that doubles was going to be more my more my game. Yeah, right. Um, and then I went to my first couple of tournaments. I went to Israel with Michael Venus, who's obviously gone on to be top ten in the world. <laughs> as a pretty good partner for futures. And so myself, my myself and Mike uh, were there for a couple of weeks. And with the rules, with the kind of ranking rules, we didn't get into doubles the first two weeks uh, okay. because of the ranking points. Yeah. And I was losing in qualies and singles, and then he was he was doing okay in singles. Like he was three hundred in singles his okay. career. High. He was a good singles player. Like, and then the last week, um, we got into doubles. We were the last team in the doubles, and we won it. So, okay. uh, so that was my first kind of taste, and then it just went from there. Obviously, you're playing futures, and you're trying to you're trying to move your ranking up uh, slowly but surely, or obviously quickly if you can. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it obviously went from there. So. Yeah, now to bring you forward then to 2010 um, when you won the Irish Open. So how was that week kind of being back at home and, and having success? Yeah, amazing. Yeah, um, we, yeah, it's funny. Like I actually, I'm in the, my apartment now and I, um, <laughs> I don't want to sound like really arrogant or anything. So, but like my trophies that I've won in futures and, you know, cha the challengers I've won and stuff that I, that I obviously still keep they're all basically home in my family house yeah. um but, but i only have like i have i have my irish open trophy here so it shows you that it's like you know it was a futures it's it wasn't a it wasn't a it wasn't a challenger an atp event but it's still obviously it means a lot to me yeah. like, that we that we won that so um 
Yeah, it was amazing. I'm trying to think back. I remember the final. We beat we beat Colin Ebeltide and Barry King in the final. Um, who, you know, obviously Kinger we knew really well and still still be friends with. Like so, um, yeah, it was a, it was a tough match. It was pre- like there's pressure on. Like we I think the semi-finals we beat Machir and Daniel Glancy, if I, if my memory serves me correct. But um, and it was a very proud moment to win that win that event. Um, and it was like. It, you know, at Fitzwilliam, it's a great, it's a, it was a great futures like, um, and hopefully they can have it again in the future. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully it can be a challenger and all that sort of stuff. But, um, memories wise, yeah, like I, it was a great week. I loved it. Um, actually, Colin Ebeltype was staying with my family, which is funny enough okay. as well. So we we ended up beating them in the final. But, um, yeah, like it's something I look back on. It's definitely one of the tournaments that's that that stands out for me, uh, and um, delighted to have won it. Um, yeah, no, just to to move forward then to 2013 when you you won uh, two challenges back to back, pretty much. So, well, what do you think changed? Um, you know, did the the that brought your level up to to that from from the future? Like, what do you think changed those weeks? Um. Yeah, so I think it's it's a really good question. Like I think, and I think it's something that I've thought about a lot. Like I think at futures, you know, you kind of get you get comfortable at futures level. So, you know, it's like I I kind of got to. I remember first playing futures, right? I could go off on a real tangent here, so just bring me back if I do. <laughs> but like when I first went to futures, and, and playing the Irish futures, you'd say, is that player any good? And I remember people being like, oh, yeah, he's got an ATP point, right? So that was kind of your frame of reference of someone being a good player is if they had an ATP point. Yeah. But you're kind of, I suppose, the goalposts get moved the whole time, right? So, like, I got to the stage in futures where when I walked into a future, if I didn't win or make the final of doubles, I would be unhappy. It wouldn't have been a good week. So, my, you know. It was kind of that was the frame of reference, right? And then when you go to challengers, then there's definitely a betting in period where like you're playing with a lot of guys who are you know who are ranked, who are playing the slams and who are you know good top hundred players. So I think there's and I definitely think for an Irish person, when you initially go to these events, you kind of feel a bit. I felt a bit overawed in some ways that I didn't really know anyone there. You know, I had friends at futures level, and then you go to the challengers and you're. You know, the French guys are with the French guys, the Spanish guys are with the Spanish. So there's that element where you're kind of a little bit uncomfortable. And it definitely took me a little bit of time to get my comfort level, um, to get my comfort level there. Um, and But once you get comfortable there, like, yeah, like it's, um, I was obviously lucky enough to win those challenges. Uh, it was actually quite funny. Can I tell you the, the one from Istanbul, okay. which happened? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so. I was playing with Fabrice Martin, who, you know, I sound like I was playing with unbelievable partners all the time. So Fabrice made the final of the French Open last year, and is uh, Fabrice would be one of my best friends. Like, and so we he was playing singles as well, and we were supposed to play the Radawana brothers in the first round, and they're top hundred doubles team, and they've been consistently top hundred. Like, and Fabrice played against this Turkish guy who was terrible. And it was really hot, and Fabrice was struggling singles wise in confidence level, and he cramped up and was like couldn't basically could barely finish the match because of cramps, and then came off the court and was like, like I'm I'm uh, 
you know, I was like, we may as well look at flights to go home because, or to go to the next event because we can't yeah. play. We're supposed to play that afternoon against the Radawana brothers. So the Radawana brothers then, so Fabrice was on his computer looking at flights, you know, and I was yeah. like, man, it's fine. Don't worry. You know, these things happen when you're on yeah. the tour, like you're going to have good weeks and bad. And so he was thinking about, and he didn't book the flight anyway. And then we came out to play the Radawana brothers and Fabrice kind of hobbled onto the court. And the Radawana brother, it turned out one of them had, had hurt his back. So he pulled a muscle on his back. So they were just kind of, so we played a couple of games and then they retired against us, right? <laughs> so then Fabrice was able to like, he did, luckily he didn't book the flight. He was able to recover, obviously. It was just, I mean, it was just cramps. And then we ended up winning the tournament going from there. So we beat like, we beat Goffan in the next round, Goffan and, uh, and uh, Gabash Whitley. In the oh, second yeah. round, and then I can't remember who we beat in the semis, and then we beat Brighton Klein and someone Propaggio maybe in the final. But, um, but it's amazing. Like in tennis, it's amazing. You're very, you know, you're just sometimes you just need a little bit of luck, right? You know, you just need that yeah. little, you need that little bounce of the ball, and and you get lucky with a draw, you get lucky with someone getting injured, you get lucky with different things, and and. And uh, over the course of the year, you like to think it kind of evens out. But um, yeah, so that was that was that was that, yeah. that was pretty bad when I think back to it. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you, like, as someone who's played obviously futures, challengers, and and then a few ATPs, I wanted to ask you what you think the main differences are between the three. And you kind of touched there on on futures and challengers, but if you maybe brought ATP into it as well, what do you think the difference is when you go up to that level? The ATP stuff. You know, I played Bastad a couple of times, the ATP 250. Um, yeah, like I probably wasn't around the level enough to be kind of, you know, I don't, I don't think there's a huge difference, to be honest. Like, I really don't. Okay. I mean, I think there's a huge difference between the really top guys. You know, the, the, for me, like, for me, the biggest difference is, you know, why is, why is someone, you know, why is someone 80 in doubles and 150 my ranking or why is someone 80 in singles or 150 in singles like for me on any given day there's no difference really in the level yeah. difference in the level i think it's i think it's the consistency of being able to perform every week Do you know i think it's mm. like you know for me say winning a challenger then losing first round losing quarters first round win as opposed to the guy who's 80 winning final semi win final. you know there's yeah, that consistently yeah, week yeah. on week um, like I look at I mean I look at a lot of players um, that I would have played played doubles with and against like I you know, I'm more inspired by the guys who are kind of who I knew who are like doing well so like people I mean even people like Tennis Sanger and I never would have thought he would make you know he would do so well in yeah. the Australian Open I never yeah. would have could have called that guys like Albot Radu Albot he's someone I look at and be like I played him a couple of times in doubles and um, and I saw I mean I saw McGee beat him in singles as well and was there for that match like if you told me at that time that that guy was going to be you know a consistent top 100 player I just wouldn't have seen it like so yeah. um, and then there's other people there's other people that you, you knew were going to be class you know yeah Goffin is probably the prime example for me of someone that like when I played him in Istanbul if you had told me then that week because I watched yeah. him play singles as well if you told me that week that that guy would be in the top 10 or top 15 in the world I would have been like no chance like really? you know I mean I mean that makes me sound stupid like if you told me he was going to be 80 in the world I'd be like okay 
top 50 yeah top 30 yeah okay maybe like but yeah top 10 no you know, i just wouldn't have seen it like that's really interesting that, that some people you know, they, they really just get like the, the most out of the game they have and just, and just maximize it and, and get really far yeah exactly yeah like um like one of my regrets actually is um you know is kind of i should have gone to more atp events to just be a practice partner right. uh because i feel like you know you can get stuck at a certain level um and i think you can you can if you're at future if you're at futures level if you're ranked 7 or 800 now like you should definitely even though you probably won't get any points, you might lose in qualities or whatever. I think it's good to go to a challenger just to, to yeah. experience the level and try and gradually start to get around it, you know? Because when I went to Bashdad those couple of times when I got in, I never felt like I really belonged, you know? And I actually yeah, did. Right. Yeah. But I, I needed to be around that level more. Yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. Um, to bring you on to, to Davis Cup for a bit. So I know you mentioned, mm. obviously, back... Um, in college, you really enjoyed that team atmosphere, and I guess Davis Cup is somewhere else where you would have got that that, that a similar feeling to that. So, how do you remember those those first that first time? Say you, you were called up to Davis Cup. What memories do you have from from that tie? Yeah, so I mean, I I uh, yeah, I mean, Davis Cup was one of my big goals as a kid. I remember like I remember in Swords they asked us to do um, we were doing goal setting. It was like long term goal. And I remember writing play Davis Cup for Ireland, but being like yeah. embarrassed. You know, it's Swords Sands Club. I was like. 12 years old I remember being kind of embarrassed to almost write it like that they would laugh at me you know but that was one of my big ambitions and um I was lucky enough I actually played for maybe I <laughs> maybe I retired the captains but I played for like Casey Owen Casey was my first captain um Sean Sorensen Gary Cahill and then Connor Nyland like I played one tie for Connor right. like so I played four captains um so maybe I sent them into retirement <laughs> But uh, no, uh, unbelievable memories. Like when I went for that match in Slovenia against Slovenia in Dublin, um, it's funny. Like I don't really have many pictures and stuff from it, but um, I remember the night before. Uh, I remember playing the practice week and not thinking that I was going to play because I was, you know, I was nineteen and I thought I thought Kevin Sorensen would play with. Um, I can't remember who it was. Connor, did Connor, yeah, Connor played and Kevin Sorensen, Steve Nuge. So I thought I had a chance to play. Like I, I didn't right. think I had a chance, but I didn't think I was, didn't really think I was going to play. But I remember playing well in the practice that week and I'm being kind of full of confidence because I played a full collegiate season of high level doubles, you know. Yeah. And then I remember Owen coming to my room the night before, knocking on the door and being like, you're in for doubles. You know, how do you feel? And I remember being buzzing about it, like, um, and we lot, we played um, Zle- Gregor Zlemja, who went on to be about 60 in the world, right. and uh, Luca Gregor, who was a who was a he's definitely a top 200 singles player, maybe 150. And uh, yeah, we played really well. We were up two sets to one. We lost in the, we lost the fourth set, seven six, and then lost the fifth, seven five. So, um, but I was happy with the way I played. Like, but my memories of Davis Cup are good. Um, sometimes I didn't play as well as I would have wanted. I think I put too much pressure on myself. Um, but I always, you know, like I always played matches in group two. I always ended up playing, like, you know, I played a lot of, I played Stachowski with Owen Heavey. Um, I played myself and Dave O'Hare, played Max Murney and Burry. Yeah. 
you know, I played, played a lot of tough matches, like, um, so, uh, but incredible memories, like, incredible memories. And, and I suppose that, that team, I do miss that, like, that kind of, the, the week of the, of the team, um, kind of hanging out with the team and, you know, the practices and all that sort of stuff. I, yeah. I miss the camaraderie of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 2015, you, you retired. Um, what, what, what main reasons were there for that when you made that decision? Yeah, like, um, that's a, it's a good question. Like, I had a little bit, little kind of shoulder injuries and niggles and stuff, but nothing, too, nothing kind of too, too bad. But I definitely, definitely was feeling my shoulder a little bit, but my ranking had stagnated. Um, and I just wasn't enjoying it as much. I didn't, uh, you know, I was traveling a lot, you know, and I felt like, I also felt like I wanted to get into business as well. I had this kind of, I suppose, ambition to, 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 to be in business. And I just thought, like, one of the things was, I think sometimes tennis players play too long. I think, I think players are institutionalized by the sport. So players will go and play futures and then they'll play challengers or maybe they'll be in futures, but they just keep playing and then their ranking is the same or it's dropping and they just have nothing yeah. else to do. Mm. And they get kind of, yeah, they get kind of lost in the sport. Like, so um, I felt like I, I read a, I read this book, Robin Sharma wrote it. And it, I remember it was like, when you know, you know, and I just remember losing this match in Italy. And I, I just remember going back to the room. I just knew like, Okay. I was like, I, I'm, I'm not enjoying this. I can't. I don't really want to go again at it. And uh, I knew the time was right. So there's no, there was no kind of like, you know, rhyme or reason, I guess. But it's just that that was my feeling on it. And, and uh, I did like post when I stopped. I definitely had inklings then to kind of like, oh, you're kind of thinking about going back to playing and all that sort of stuff. Now I didn't really give it serious thought, but I think we always, you know. You know, I think you're always going to have those thoughts that, you know, it's like a boxer. Um, like George Foreman said once, he's like, you always think you have one more punch, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I do miss playing. Like, Yeah, no, you mentioned your, your kind of ambitions for, for business. And I want to come on to that in, in a little bit. But first, um, I know you've, you've worked with, with Richard Branson down on, on Necker Islands and you've, you've had, spent time there. So just tell me a little bit about how that relationship started and, and how it, the experience has been for you. Yeah, so that, yeah, that's, um, yeah, I mean, amazing. Like, so when I played Bashdad, the ATP 250, I played with Andy Silstrom. Um, and Andy, uh, his, one of his college teammates is a guy, Trevor Short, who's the founder of this company called Premier Live. And they basically run the Necker Cup. And essentially what it is, is, is uh, a casual pro-am where like Djokovic has been, Nadal has been, all these guys and, and ladies as well. And business people come to the event and they play and they play, you know, 10-point tiebreakers. So I reached out to Trevor. This is 2015. I ended up being introduced to Trevor, reached out to him um, and said to him, kind of like just said, look, this is my ranking. I'm not Novak Djokovic. I'm not yeah. Caroline Wozniacki, but I'd love to come and um and I'll hit with the business people. So when the pros are, when the, when the top pros are off kind of doing their thing, I'll, I said, you'll never be short a player. And I don't really know why he said yes, but he said yes. And, and uh, I went in 2015 and uh, I suppose from, it's amazing what that one kind of phone call has led to. So while I was at the event, then I obviously met Richard there, but I met Kenny who, who runs Necker Island and Kenny, um, 
sent me an email about a month later saying would I come back and coach Richard tennis. So I've gone a good few times out for I'd go for a month at a time and 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 hit with him uh, twice a day, coach him twice a day. Gone to London to him a few times as well. Um, and I've taken him actually to Fitzwilliam once as well when he was in Dublin. Okay. Uh, when he was in Dublin playing, when he was in Dublin, he was speaking at an event. So I took him to Fitzwilliam to play. Um, so uh, yeah, like an incredible experience. Very lucky to. I mean, that's the thing about tennis is, you know, that I would be very positive about tennis in terms of, yes, financially it's very tough when you play, but I'd also be, you know, the people that I've met through the sport. You know, even if you take Necker out of it, the people that I've yeah. met through my sport and how it's helped me in terms of my life. Um, and how it's a sport that you can play forever and how, you know, I've become friends with one or two of the, the rugby guys. And I was, you know, we were chatting about it and I said, like, you know, they can't kind of take a business person out to play rugby or to yeah. kick a ball in the air or whatever, whereas I can take someone to play tennis. So, um, so yeah, so Necker has been amazing for me. And, like, I would still, you know, I would still be in contact with, with, with Richard and... Uh, he's been he's been great to me like I, I couldn't say a bad word about him like yeah no it must be great to to have those experiences it must be incredible um but then i guess i guess um something else i want to to touch on is is uh the world so in 2018 and the when you had your, your guinness world record attempt for for the the longest doubles match um so was there um, obviously it's a remarkable achievement to, to to play for that long but was there a moment at any point when you you really doubted that you'd you'd manage it? either before or was there a point during when you you know almost gave up um so uh yeah like i mean it was it was re- really good um it's really good fun actually to be honest like but i i uh the only moment i doubted was so dan o'neill dan was struggling at one stage uh, with his, I don't even know his back, maybe. So, uh, like, I didn't, I didn't doubt myself, being honest, and I didn't yeah. doubt, say, Dave and then Luke as well. But then Dan, at one point, I think it was like the second night, maybe. I think it was the second night through the night. He was really struggling, like, so we were really concerned that he was going to have to stop, you know. Um, so that was more the worry. Now, like, I was in a lot of pain with my feet and, um. But like we had great people, we had great people there supporting us. Like and um, once we got to Sunday around, once the sun came up on Sunday, I knew we were kind of golden. Like right. which is uh, like I've never ran a marathon or anything, but I know when people say you, know, you go through the wall and all that sort of stuff. Like definitely when we got to Sunday, the sun came up and it was like the home straight. Even though it was even though it was like you know ten hours to go, whatever yeah, it was, yeah, you know, yeah. like even though it was, we still had a lot to do, but. Um, so yeah, like I have good memories of it. Would I do it again? Whew, I don't know. Like I don't know <laughs> if someone broke it. I don't know if we do it again. To be honest, it might be the kind of thing you do once and then you've done it. <laughs> yeah, like uh, like I do. Uh, you know, I, originally I went to Dave with it, so um, I, I knew the guys attempted it in Brookfield a couple of years before. So Luke was part of the. They attempted and they did thirty three hours, and they okay. stopped in Rakgar. So I was playing at the time and I thought, oh, this is really interesting. Like, it seems like a good thing to do. Um, and I thought, I went to Dave anyway and I asked Dave, would he be interested? In and like, I have to say, like, if Dave had said no, I don't know if I would have done it. I don't know if I would have asked other people, but Dave said yeah. yes. And it just kind of went from there. Like, and uh, obviously we got to, you know, enjoy tennis on board as well. So 
Um, yeah, like it was, it was great. I have really happy memories from it. Um, yeah, was there, how, how was the recovery after? Were there like weeks you just kind of didn't leave your bed or something? Was it, was it tough? Not really. Like, so I know, that, I know that Dave was struggling a little bit health-wise after it. Um, like my, my feet were in, like in ribbons, like in terms of soreness. But I kind of like, I, I just kind of got on with things. I don't know. I, again, back to your lessons from college tennis. Like, yeah. I always think, um, you know, sometimes the coach tells you what kind of fitness you're about to do in college and you're kind of, you don't know how you're going to survive. Like, yeah. you just, you kind of go into this mode where you just survive. So the aftermath, look, I was really tired and it definitely took me a little bit to recover from, but I didn't, my life didn't stop after it. Like, yeah. you know, I just kind of, I was still, at the time I was in the recruitment agency, I was in Mason Alexander, so I was still there. So I was in work and stuff, basically. Mm. So uh, it just, yeah, kept going. You know, fair play. It's like it's an incredible thing to have done. I mean, you raised so much money, obviously, for enjoy tennis and, and got the record. So it's it's, it's you know it's something you'll you'll always have that you've you've done. You know, kind of on your, your yeah. CV, as long you know. as you're not plotting to break it or something. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't I don't <laughs> think so. I, I don't think it's on my agenda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So um. You mentioned earlier about when you retired, you were kind of had all these ambitions for for business, getting into business, and I know you have done that. And you've had a lot of success, and you mentioned your book coming out. Um. So at the moment, I know you founded a high caliber collective. Just, just tell me a little bit about, about that company and, and what you do there kind of on a day to day and just in, in general, what, what, what's, what's. Yeah. So I suppose when I, when I, when I first to go back, when I first stopped playing tennis, I did three months. I did an internship with the end of McNulty and his company, McNulty performance. So he was in, like he was the Irish, the sports psychologist for the Irish rugby team. And then he was okay. in Google and Facebook and these companies. So I kind of went into that. I was always, when I was playing, I was always interested in, I suppose, people, you know, people development, performance. I was always reading a lot of books, like non-tennis books, you know. So, I was, you know, I was reading the kind of Tony Robbins and the entrepreneurial books, like, I don't know, all, you know, all these kind of different people. Um, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but uh, when I stopped and then I initially I went into... Uh, after McNulty performance then I was kind of doing the stuff on Necker and then I came back and I was in uh, Mason Alexander which is a recruitment agency uh, and I enjoyed that like it was, probably recruitment wasn't for me but I enjoyed the I suppose it was a good learning in terms of actually working you know so um did that now I was still I was coaching tennis a few hours a week as well um just to kind of keep my hand in um, and obviously I love love tennis like but then I had this idea around High Caliber Collective. I was doing executive coaching qualifications in the background. Um, I started, so the way I started was I started hosting my own events. Um, so I started bringing CEOs, small group of CEOs, um, and there'd be a topic for discussion. So it might be around leadership, it might be around work-life balance, it might be around high-performance culture, all these different types of things. And I really, you know, I really kind of leveraged the people that I knew to, through tennis. So like the CEOs and the, and the c-suite executives that i knew to through tennis that were very supportive um and then from that then i started doing these events and then the, the companies or the ceo started me asking asking me into their companies um so i was really doing three things i was i was doing a lot of uh speaking so keynote speaking where they would bring me into organizations to speak i'd give an hour talk on yeah on uh, high performance on goal setting um so I really enjoyed that, actually. I mean, the first first talk, I was incredibly nervous, but it, it gets easier over time. I was doing a lot of, kind of a lot, hosting a lot of off-sites for companies. So, you know, 
team of 15 trying to hit a target how are they hitting the target working with them around that and then I, I was doing a lot of one-to-one -one coaching so one-to-one -one executive coaching uh, with individuals very much around performance around setting their goals around achieving goals and you see that sport and business it's very similar right and and um, yeah so then I mean obviously then things were going really well then the coronavirus um, the speaking stuff is kind of gone at the moment yeah. doing some webinars um, and I'm kind of upped my one-to-one -one stuff um, and then working on some kind of online offerings and been working on the book. So, yeah, so like, um, yeah, things have been, things have been pretty good. And I've, I've, I always have ideas. I'm always working on ideas. So like yeah. I had ideas around like a tennis app around connecting players and all this stuff. And I, I kind of like, I like having, I guess my core, I need to obviously pay the bills. So I, that's my core business yeah. is that. And then I like working on ideas on the side. So I always have, I always have different things I'm working on on the side, basically. Um, and that's kind of the way my mind works. I'm a little bit of a, you know, I think as a tennis player, I think you have to be a bit of a dreamer. Like, you know, you have yeah. to, I always dreamt of obviously playing Davis Cup, of winning Wimbledon, of all those types of things. Yeah. And now I kind of dream, but now I listen to like entrepreneur talks and, you know, it's kind of your mind, you're, 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 I suppose you're, there's a bit of a shift there, but I, um, I'm happy enough. Like, Yeah, no, it's brilliant. Um, and now as, as you come into, uh, as we come into kind of the end, getting back to a bit more normal, what's something that you're excited about? Well, what's your kind of your future goals then with, with, with business or with, with, with anything? So with, with the immediate goal, actually, the thing I'm most excited about is, um, so I went to Glendalough on the weekend, which I kind of broke the I broke the <laughs> kilometer thing, I think. But so I'm really looking forward to actually going and doing stuff. Like I've I'm going to Ackle to I'm going to learn how to kite surf. Um, I'm going to cycle a greenway in Waterford. I'm going to go to. I have all these ambitions of like little goals that I want to. I want to go and see Ireland, like you yeah. know. So I've obviously seen a lot of Ireland, but I want to go and do stuff. Um, so I, I, you know, that that would be my immediate kind of. Um, I, I think, I, like, I personally think there'll be a resurgence in, well, obviously there's going to be a lot of domestic travel, but I think people have been kind of cooped up that people will have a new appreciation of nature and getting yeah. out. Um, and uh, so I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to doing that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just have a few more questions, James. I really appreciate yeah, it. No it's, it's great to, to talk, but it, it, just to look, to bring it back to tennis a little bit, to look at, at Irish tennis, what, what do you think about about Irish tennis at the moment. So I saw an article you wrote about um, about clubs and about um, about, about la the, the the ladder uh, competitions in clubs. So maybe if you want to talk about yeah, that or, or something else like research, in Irish in Irish tennis, anything you 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 like. What, what do you think about it? Yeah, how long have you got? Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> like I think I mean I think there's definitely positive steps in terms of you know clay courts and stuff being being in a lot of clubs i saw sutton have one now and mm. um fitz obviously had that clay court in although jane family books it all the time so <laughs> but uh no the clay the clay is really good um and fitz are looking to get i think there's a there's a vote on maybe getting more clay so that's that's good um so yeah so like i think that that that's positive i mean i think the i think the players i think there was a i think the last the previous generation um did quite well i mean i think uh connor obviously did really well um james was doing well in singles dave was doing well in doubles i was doing well in doubles so i i think it's up to the next generation to like they need to step up 
and they need to you know obviously it's hard for them to step up when there's no tournaments on but yeah yeah, you know, yeah. there's a global pandemic but i think you know i i think um the players need to we need players that are playing challengers minimum that are playing qualifying of slams and you know i think there's there's obviously um there's potential there's there's good potential there but I mean, there's so many people with good potential. Like, who cares? I mean, back to our original, back to our conversation around like Albot and these people. Like, yeah. you know, potential is one thing. I mean, I've seen a lot of people with good potential, but it's actually, actually getting out there and winning. And and um, so, am I positive about the about the the future of Irish tennis? Um, at the moment, I mean, I think in the last couple of years, I think you know, a lot of people. Are not playing domestic tournaments so you know am i set like i mean i i played one two summers ago i think i played a couple of tournaments and i enjoy i played intro pros as well i enjoyed playing it like but i met it probably at a different stage in my life you know but um i think i think the guys who are currently playing need to play the likes of the indoors there needs to be yeah, like, I mean, my memories as a kid is going and watching Casey play Barron in singles in the Riverview final, right? Yeah. And it was a standoff and then, like, you know, and obviously Tennis Ireland, the indoors has kind of lost its, lost its um, allure in the last few years. You know, it's, like, there used to be a stand and everything for it. So, um, but I think there's an onus on the players to actually support domestic tournaments as well. And, and yeah. You know, there was good. There was decent. I mean, obviously, it could change now, but there was decent prize money for for the for for tournaments, and the players weren't really playing. Like, yeah. So, um, and then the other thing I would say is, and I said this to, I said this a couple of years ago, like that. Um, I was lucky enough to get some funding from the sports council at one stage, and my point was is that look, a lot of players are complaining about money, and you know, and rightly so. Like, I'm no problem with that, but like. A lot of players are complaining about funding and lack of funding and all that sort of stuff. But like, there's an onus on players to actually do something in return for the funding. So like, I think when I got that money from the sports council, that Tennis Ireland should be able to say to me like, for three hours in the year, or maybe you have to go and give the prizes for the parks, or you have to do some. There has to be a reciprocal arrangement with sponsorship, yeah. like and yeah. with funding. So, um, so you know, I think Tennis Ireland have a tough job. I think coming into the climate, I think it's going to be tough in terms of sponsors and, and finding that like, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I, I look at like, I think the success, so I think the success of Irish tennis personally has been, and we have been successful. And the re reason we've been successful is the collegiate route. So like you have, you know, you've guys like John Dorn who now lives in London, who, went to Harvard, Owen Heavey went to Cal Berkeley, Connor going to Cal Berkeley, Barry King, Notre Dame. Like tennis, if you're, what you should be selling to the parents is that that is their tennis career is getting them like, a, you know, academic scholarship or athletic scholarship, which yeah. is obviously amazing, right? And that's the success. And I, I don't think we should be selling parents a dream of being like a top 50 tennis player, I think. Or I think it's more... Um, I think college is the way to go and then the cream rises to the top and then the players can play professionally. Um, but yeah, like I think the players, like I have so much admiration for people like Julian Bradley, right? So Julian would have, I would have played towards the end of my career, I would have hit with Julian a lot when I came home. Um, I 
so much admiration for him, like and and a lot of the guys. But I I think we need to get players and challengers and ATPs. We need to get. Um, yeah, maybe I'm, I'm rambling a bit, but like we, it's important. Like it's important that we're that we get out of Group Three and Davis Cup. It's, like, these things are important. Like yeah, and so, it was really um, it's really interesting to to hear you talk about all those different things that are have maybe changed a bit since since you were playing and are you know have changed yeah, a bit like, and, uh, and still still need to to change in in some cases. Yeah, like I'm I'm. I suppose I'm con- I'm concerned that there's not going to be a player who's playing qualifying of a slam in the next couple of years. Really, like, do you know, I mean, yeah. I, you know, if you look at if you look at Simon, Peter. Now, I'm not speaking as much on the girls' side. I know I've I, I've hit with Georgia a few times, and I think Georgia has. You know, she's obviously in college. I think she has great potential as well. So I'm not as uh, I'm more talking about the men on uh, when I'm speaking about this, but um. On the men's side, like when are we going to have a player who's playing qualifying of, of Grand Slams? I'm not sure it's going to be in the next couple of years. Like I'm not sure, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, Simon, his ranking trajectory, his ranking is going to go up. But is he going to be in a Grand Slam qualifying in the next year? Probably not. Is he going to be in the two years? Like it's going to take time for, you know, he's obviously young and, and, and obviously Peter's still around as well. Um, but I mean, I'm asking. I suppose I'm asking the hard question: Is when is someone going to play? First question is when is someone going to play qualifying for a slam, and then when is someone when is someone going to play main draw of a slam? Yeah. Um. So it's almost like, uh, like Connor. You know, Connor making it to 129 in the world and playing in a couple of slams, right? Like I obviously played doubles. But I still looked at Connor and I was like, look, I'm, this, you know, I'm training with this guy. I'm hitting with this guy. I'm traveling with him. You know, I'm a good player. Like, he gave me confidence to go and achieve, right? Yeah. And then James McGee came along and James was unlucky with, you know, different things. But James is 150 in singles, played slam, um, you know, played the US Open. So I think Connor kind of dragged the level on a little bit and then, you know, I obviously was on the double side. I was 145. Then Dave comes out of college. I played with Dave a bit. I travel with Dave. Then Dave goes and, and is, you know, really good player and kind of raises the bar a little bit. So I think that's the whole thing is that, like, it needs to be pushed on. Like, you need to – there needs to be momentum there. and Players need to keep pushing forward. And then I almost – at the moment, there's a bit of a lull because those guys aren't – they're not at the rankings. Um, and it's going to take them time, like – yeah. So that would be my that's my concern is is uh yeah, when are we gonna have a, a, a player playing qualities of slam? You know, it's really interesting, you know, all those you know, that's good questions you're asking, really interesting points. Um yeah, to bring it back to you for a bit before we finish up, um what, what do you think is the best place you've ever been for tennis? Apart from Necker Island, is it? <laughs> um we'll say apart from Necker Island. <laughs> so the best place I've ever the been. The best place I've ever been. Um, like that Bastad event that that wins ATP 250 of the year every year. I mean that's that's incredible. Um, it's kind of a resort basically. Um, so that place would be that place would be up there. Um, and then I pl- I played a futures actually in um, in if the question's kind of around like the best tennis tennis court or best tennis place. Yeah. 
I played the Futures in uh, Los Angeles and we met this guy, um, this guy Kelly, and he brought us to, he was like, do you want to play tennis at the coolest, coolest court in LA or whatever? So he brought us to, um, have you ever seen the movie The Big Lebowski? No. No. Okay, so uh, hopefully your listeners. You know, it was basically <laughs> on top of it. It was basically on top of um, on top of LA, overlooking the whole city, and there was a tennis court there. And it was I've never been on a night. Well, apart from Necker, I've never been on a nicer tennis court in my life. So those 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 two probably or yeah. three actually. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, or maybe Greystones Court One. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. Um, well, if you were to give advice to to junior players, um, what, what advice would you give to them? Um, my advice would be uh, my advice would be my philosophy is always being get around good people so surround yourself with good people if I was a junior player now I would you know obviously if we're speaking in a perfect world now where tournaments are going on because obviously Mm -hmm. things have changed a little bit but like I would play all the domestic tournaments so I think another rant I have is like a lot of players have stopped playing a lot of juniors and, you know, have maybe they just want to play Fitzwilliam and they don't want to play other events and they're training yeah. and all this and stuff. I think there's a lot to be said for having pressure on you because when you go to college or when you play professional or you play Davis Cup, you're under pressure to win. And I think it's good to have the pressure where you're the favorite and you have to win. Yeah. You have to deliver. And then I also think there's an element where if I was a junior player, I would be encouraging to go to like, big tournaments go and see the level see what you're trying to aspire to try and hit with these players get comfortable around them and that would be really my my advice absolutely i think that's some great advice i think especially about you know to 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 keep playing all the all the events it's really good Um, and a final question what's your favorite thing about tennis uh my favorite thing about tennis is I suppose two things. One is I love I love the competitive aspect of it. Like I, I yeah. miss the really competitive piece. And then the second piece is is friends. You know, meeting people and friends and camaraderie and um, yeah. Like I've met some amazing people through tennis and people that you'd be friends forever with. Like yeah, no, I think the 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 great thing about that answer, you know, it applies to anyone that's playing tennis. You know, even if you're playing the, you know, you're playing leagues and your club whatever your standard is you know that those two things can you know can apply to everyone so i think that's that's really good exactly yeah, it's a, i mean i don't want to sound cliche but it is a sport for life you know yeah exactly exactly and um, you know james i think we'll, we'll wrap it up there i've taken up enough of your time uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you it's been fantastic so th- th- thanks very much for your time no worries thanks adam yeah thanks for thanks for having me no it's great so thank you big thanks once again to james for his time uh, I'd encourage you to check out his book. Um, to do so, go to hccollective.co and follow the link for Advantage Book. So please do check that out if you have any interest. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did enjoy speaking to James. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it, and subscribe, leave a comment or a review. I hope you're all doing well. Until next time, I'm I've been Adam. Goodbye.